good morning. Welcome to Battleground Community Church. Take your Bibles open with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. If you're our guest, you've caught us in the in sort of the middle, our normal pattern of as the body of, of Christ as we gather, we work through books of the Bible, a verse at a time. It's our normal pattern. Uh, we recently engaged as a church in in a plan to renovate our worship space and what that's going to look like is for us to completely renovate the other side of the building and eventually move our worship over there and so uh, we have engaged in a, a plan that was really years in the making and so what that has looked like here recently is as we began to move forward pastor gave and his family the leaders gave and their families then the people gave and their families. That's the way we went about this plan. And so we asked the question, as we should as Christian people, why this way? Why not anyway? Because you see, sometimes scripture prescribes our life steps. It prescribes things in the church. And that in other words, like elders and deacons, it not only tells us that these are two offices of the church, it gives us the qualifications for them. We have no choice. It would either be biblical or, or be unbiblical to not do it. And other times, the Bible describes how the church does things. It describes how they responded in this time or that. And we would do well to learn from those times that we see God's people in times of decisions. How do they go about making the decisions? And then what do they do once that has been done? That's what we have tried to do here at Battleground. And that's what I wanted you to see last week and this week. And so we're sitting there going, okay, um, the leaders gave and then we gave. Okay, now we're ready. What's next? This Sunday is next. And so sort of a different kind of sermon today. The Lord provides and the people rejoice. You see, David had a plan. He wanted to build the temple. It wasn't God's plan. God said, oh, the temple's going to be built, but your son is going to build it. So Solomon's going to build the temple. And so when we get to Chronicles, what we see is David's plan now conformed to God's plan. He's not, he, the way we know he's excited about it is his generosity. And so here's, that's just what we learned last week. God's people prioritize worship. It was David's heart all along. That was the plan, was a place to worship. God's people devoted themselves to God's plan. As a response, they give generously to accomplish this plan. And, and so what you're seeing here, and this is important to understand, worship. Worship is the collision of knowing God's will and submitting to God's will. The collision of those two things in the life of the church and your life is worship. And it looks like generosity that bubbles up and over because it can't contain itself. That's what we see David doing when he gets to verse 10. And so I would ask you now to stand to your feet. First Chronicles 29. I want you to get all of that as a background to understand David's prayer. The people he has given, the people have given, given the leaders have given and they're sitting there with God's supply to do what God has called them to do and so David offers this verse 10 therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly and David said blessed are you O Lord the God of Israel our father forever and ever 
Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the kingdom and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hands are power and might, and in your hands it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. But who am I? And what is my people? That we should be able thus to offer willingly. For all things come from you, and of your own have we given you. For we are strangers before you and sojourners as all of our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow and there is no abiding. O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all of these things. And now I have seen your people who present here offering freely and joyously to you. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people and direct their hearts toward you. Grant to Solomon, my son, a whole heart that he may keep your commandments, your testimonies, your statutes, performing all that he may build the palace for which I have made provision. Then David said to all the assembly, Bless the Lord your God. And all the assembly blessed the Lord, the God of their fathers, and bowed their heads and paid homage to the Lord and to the king. And they offered sacrifices to the Lord on, that, on, on the next day and offered burnt offerings to the Lord, a thousand bulls, a thousand rams, a thousand lambs with their drink offerings and sacrifices in abundance for all Israel. And they ate and drank before the Lord on that day with great gladness. Lord, that you would put such a heart and such a rejoicing in us, for we have been given the opportunity to be a part of what you were doing in this, your world. We are your children. We are your sheep. We are your subjects. And so, Lord, now, can we simply just rejoice today? For, Lord, your people gave some $250,000 for this, and all of that came from you anyway. And so, Lord, we have much to give thanks for. And for that today, we have turned ourselves towards your word to rejoice in who you are and what you've done. And what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is more just a series of meditations. And at times we're going to read passages together. I want us to see first that God's people bless the Lord for a particular purpose. We bless Him for His person. Notice verse 10. It says, Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you. O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. I just want you to see two things. He is the Lord God, and He is our God. He is the Lord God. Now, 
In the New Testament, we know the word means kurios, it's Lord, it's Master. But it's very specific in the Old Testament. This is God's covenant name for His people. This is the I Am. This is the one in the burning bush. This is the covenant-making, promise-keeping God that chose the people that did not deserve to be chosen and made His people out of Him. That's the God He's praising. Not only that, notice if you look at the text, it is Lord, it is the Lord, the God of Israel. The word God means Elohim. It's in here in this passage section six times. He's simply saying with that that this is the God of gods. Verse 11 says he's exalted over everything. He owns everything. You own nothing. God is the master over everything on this earth. If it's on the earth or outside of the earth, it's his. And he simply gives it to us to steward. Listen to verse 11. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted above all. Our response, you'll see it on the screen. Read with me together Psalms 145, 21. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. And let all the flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Because he is not only the Lord God, he's our God. He's our God. Just peruse the text with me. Verse 10 says he is the God of Israel and he is our Father. Verse 13 says he is our God. Verse 17 says he's my God. Verse 20 said he's your God. Recently speaking with a Muslim, I noticed when he referred to God, he called him the God. The God. Psalms 95, 7, that we're the sheep of his pasture and that he is our shepherd. Exodus 15, 2 says this, The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. I was reading this from a, a Muslim that was writing on the difference between Muslims and their God and Christians and their God. This is what he said. The major difference in the relationship between Muslims and God and Christians and God is Muslims believe and understand that God is first our creator whom we exist to worship and then our friend. Sometimes the relationship can take a fatherly tone, but he isn't our father. In contrast, God's people have always understand, understood. He is our father. Believers understand from the Bible that we relate to God in four ways. Four analogies that the Bible gives throughout Scripture. We relate to God as a son to his father. We relate to God as a sheep to the, his shepherd as a subject to his king, and as a servant to his master. If you read scripture, you're going to find those analogies over and over. These analogies that we must keep in tension. Whether you had a good father or a bad father or no father, you can understand God by understanding his word. And you can understand the father that you're supposed to be. The believer that you're supposed to be by understanding these. And so our response on the screen again, Isaiah 25 and verse 9. Read this with me. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for Him that He might save us. This is the Lord. 
We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. So we are, we are rejoicing today for his person, but also his power. We see his power in verse 11. It said, O Lord, the, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven is yours. You see those words that David just piles up. That's why we love the Psalms, because this David just knows how to pile up just the right words. Power. Listen to what Deuteronomy 32, 39 says. See now that I, even I, am he. There is no God besides me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. And there is no one that can deliver out of my hand. Now that's power. You see, David is referring to him. You see this analogy of how we understand God? He is relating to him as a subject to his king. Remember, David is the king. He's the king. I mean, the dude's in charge. He knows a little something about majesty and splendor, and yet he publicly acknowledges that Yahweh is the king of kings, that Yahweh has all power, and he does not, that it is Yahweh that is victorious. That word means that God's kingdom has an enduring nature, that he is unstoppable, he is unquenchable, his eternal glory cannot be diminished by anything that we do or do not do. He is God, and he is above all, in all, and through all. He cannot fail, and he does not change. And so he deserves our glory. He deserves our worship, and this is why we gather weekly to give it to him. And so what should be our response to this? 1 Timothy 1.17, read it with me again. You need to read a little louder. I can't hear you. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. David praised him, you see, for his person, for his power, and for his provision. Verse 12, both riches and honor come from you. You rule over all in your hands, or power and might, and in your hands it is to make great and give strength to all. It is God's prerogative what He gives you and what He doesn't. His grace and mercy is His, and He gives it to whom He chooses. He gives you things in tiny ways. Can I tell you one that happened Friday? We're loading up our oldest daughter to move her one more time. We were loading up, and these evening clouds start coming. There's dark. You know how it starts getting dark? You know what's coming. We're loading up. You know, it was, it was, they were already on the truck. There's nothing we could do. We didn't have a tarp, you know, and it started drip, 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 and you know it was about to just unload. And I said, Lord, just got through with James, you know, by the way. I said, Elijah was a man just like me. And he asked you not to rain, and it didn't rain. So could you hold the rain off till we get about 20 minutes down the road? Did it rain? Nope. Did we get the furniture in? Yep. See, how many times does that happen in our life? And we just look right over it. God works in our life. He shows us these big moments, these salvation, these life-preserving moments. Some of, some of us had some of that this week too, didn't we? David is grateful because the king of kings has been merciful to him and to his chosen people. Listen, there is a cause and effect when you understand this. Joshua 24, 18 says this. Listen to what he's saying. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. 
Therefore, we will also will serve the Lord, for He is our God. He provided, we're going to serve Him. Our response, Psalms 146, let's read it together. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in the Son of Man, in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that day his plans perish. But he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose help is the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts those that, who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widows and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked He brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. You, O God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. So today, because of God's person, because of His power, because of His provision, we are grateful. Look at verse 13. David says, And now we thank you, O God, and praise your glorious name. Knowing God should lead us to thankful worship. Thankful worship. For what? Because this God, the one that has all power, the one that is all-knowing, He knows what you did last night on your phone. It knows everything. And yet, with all His power and with all His knowledge, He set His affections on you. God has used His power for your good Showing us mercy and not justice. Offering us relationship and not wrath. Knowing God should lead us to thankful worship and it should lead us to humble worship. Verse 14 and 15 says, But who am I? It's a good question for you today. And what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you and of your own we have given you. We're strangers before you, sojourners, as just like our fathers were. Sounds like James, our days on the earth are like a shadow and there is no abiding. There's no more question for you today than who are you. You either get your knowledge of who you are from inside your own selfish soul that will destroy you, or you get it from a one who does not change. They get their starting point with Him. They said, without God, we're nothing. But with Him, we can do exactly what He's told us to do. Because He brings the power. and He brings the provision. Knowing God should lead us to acknowledging worship. Acknowledging worship. Notice verse 16. He's saying the same thing He said in verse 14. Oh Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for a building to you, a house for your holy name comes from your hands and is yours all, all your own. Everything that we've given you belongs to you anyway. All our generosity came from you. 
Is it really a sacrifice when God gives us everything and promises to take care of his own kids? You see, our responsibility is to trust him in faith. Our responsibility is to look at our motives. Do you see it? Verse 17, I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness and the uprightness of my heart. I have freely I have freely offered all these things, and now I have seen your people who are present here offering freely and joyously. He's saying, God, we praise you because I gave out of the overflow of my heart, out of the my devotion. I gave because I desired to give, because I could not, you couldn't, nobody could stop me from giving. And not only am I pray, thankful for that, I look out at my people and I see that they give for the same reason. Acknowledging worship is also expectant worship. Knowing God should lead us to expectant worship. O Lord, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and Israel, reading verse 18, our fathers keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people. Direct their hearts toward you. Verse 19, grant to Solomon, my son, a whole heart that he may keep your commandments, your testimonies, your statutes performing all and he may build what I have made provisions for what did you expect when you came here this morning was it expectant worship was it flippant worship you just glad you got your kids dressed and got them out of the house but can I ask you a deeper question it doesn't matter whether you have children or not if you don't have children you got grandchildren And you might have children one day. What are you expecting for your children? What are you expecting for their children? Does that make a difference in how you live today? Does it make a difference in how you worship and how you pray? Do you notice this is part of his prayer? Oh God, that our children might remember you. Your power and your provision. They deserve your worship just like us. Look at, just listen to Philippians 1 6. You know this passage. This is a popular passage. It says, And I am sure of this. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion upon the day of Christ. Do you pray that for the generations that are coming after you? Because gospel expectancy brings authentic worship, not only for you, but for your children. Verse 19, he gets even more specific, doesn't he? He says, God, be with Solomon. Pray for your kids by name. Pray for your grandkids by name. Pray for your spouse by name. That they would have the spiritual eyes to keep your word. Because you will not keep what you do not desire. So what today? That's what we've gathered to do. As a response to this, brothers and sisters, I'm calling you again to stand up here in a few minutes and bless the Lord. Listen to what David says in verse 20. Down to verse 22. Then David said to all the assembly, now he, was, now he looks out at the people and says, Bless the Lord your God. And all the assembly blessed the Lord, the God of their fathers, and bowed their heads and paid homage to the Lord. There was a reason this morning, brothers, that the first half of the songs was a little bit more somber. Pastor Micah did that on purpose. 
Verse 21, And they offered sacrifices to the Lord on the next day, offered burnt offerings to the Lord. A thousand bulls, a thousand rams, a thousand lambs with their drink offerings and sacrifices in abundance for all Israel. And they ate and they drank before the Lord with gladness. You say, well, pastor, don't see any altars here. Did y'all, Tommy, did you bring your lamb with you today? You know, did you bring your goat? I didn't bring mine. Why not? Well, turn with me to Hebrews 10 and I'll show you why not. Hebrews 10. If you ever get a hold of this, if you ever take the time to study the Old Testament enough to know why all of those offerings were necessary and needed and what they meant, it will change your worship. Hebrews is counting nuts, you know that. Hebrews 10 says this. All these, remember, there's sacrifices he said they just offer. Hebrews 10, verse 3. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Then Christ said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. As it is written of me in the scroll of the book. Verse 8. When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices or burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He's, a, he's helping them understand now. You see, he does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. That's why there's no offering tables up here. You know what's set today? The tables are set. I could not wait for us to become autonomous. That was the first thing I changed. We're going to have communion every week. Our offering set on that table. I don't beat you over the head for tithes. I don't even use the word except for the last two weeks. We come to offer generously and freely and fully because our sin offering has been paid once for all. I don't have to work for it. I don't have to earn it. I have received it by faith. And I come every week and I remember it when I come to the table. My Jesus died for me and His people. And one day we're going to be seated around the table and we're going to celebrate with Him face to face. And until he comes, this is what we will do. This is what we must do. And so today, let us bow our heads in prayer for worship and then let us stand to our feet and let us praise the Lord Jesus Christ, our final sacrifice. Lord, as we stand to our feet even now, we praise you for who you are. We praise you that you are sovereign and in control and we are not. And we rest in that truth. That no matter what has happened in our yesterday, no matter what we do not know what is going to happen in our tomorrow, we know that you hold it, that you are the God of all gods, that there is no God besides you. And so, Lord, today we lay down our idols and we come to renew ourselves and say, Lord, you are faithful, so we will be faithful. You are good, Lord, and we long to live a life that 
worships you and reflects you in everything that we do and say. And we just come today to say, thank you for providing for that which you told us to do. Thank you for putting the spirit of generosity in those that stand here before me today and those who are watching online. Lord, you put that desire in there. We could not put it in ourselves. And so, Lord, receive our offerings now as we give, as we celebrate the person and work of Jesus Christ and his life, his death, his resurrection, as we remember his sacrifice, as we give our finances. And as we just enjoy you, be honored in our worship. In Jesus' name, amen.